Hey everybody, how you doing? This is the producer from Brothers Comics. Welcome to the Comic Book Show. Uh, it's a working title. As we work our way through uh, popular titles in the Marvel Universe and have throwback Thursdays to some classic X-Men stories. On the line tonight are my two favorite metahumans, my two favorite mutants. On the line tonight, it's uh, Brother Beats. Brother Beats, say what's up. What's up, my, my metahuman friends? Yeah, that's, that's what right. we're going by these days. Yeah, so you can't call human. anybody a mutant or anymore. It's, that's not no, yeah, yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to be Brian Singer at this moment. <laughs> and on the line also tonight is my other favorite uh, metahuman. It's Sandman. Sandman, say what's up. Kanichiwa, my fellow metahumans. Uh, doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kept it with an M. I mean, that's about as good as I gotta get. So yeah, yeah, the word. yeah, the other M word. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tonight we're gonna we're gonna get through a, a set of books here uh, in the Marvel Legacy. This is going to wind up being a, a, a double sized issue, but broken into two different podcasts because uh, we weren't able to go last week, or we haven't been able to go for the last couple of weeks for a couple of a, a variety of reasons, which I cannot put on wax. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I really shouldn't put that on wax. So. We're going to do the Marvel Legacy books, and then you'll just finish that one, and then you can tune back in to the second part of the double issue for the um, the Throwback Thursday, which is the X-Men Inferno books, which we've been teasing for literally for months. All right. So the first book up tonight um, I read today. Uh, it is Falcon Number 2. We reviewed Falcon Number 1 on the first uh, kind of Marvel Hacks podcast, and um, Falcon Number 2. Uh, again, if you're a listener to this podcast, you know that we communicate with each other, you know, pretty much every day about various nerdly types of topics and sometimes not so nerdly through our text mail chain. And so as I'm reading Falcon today, um, I sent out a couple of screenshots from the book. Um, Brother Beavis, just going from this first screenshot that I sent, which was the, the Wu-Tang, I think, one, uh, what were you thinking about the Falcon, even though you didn't get a chance to read the book? Uh, trying so hard. I mean, I, I think I think they, they've tried to make a point of, of adding books that have some form of diversity or uniqueness, and they're trying so hard to, like, underscore that. And, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the, is the Battlestar is the other character in Falcon, right? Battlestar, or is Battlestar and Falcon? Yeah, the old, yeah. It's yeah, trying so hard. That was what I thought. Yeah. It's a reach. Uh, Sandman, you got your, you got your first Wu-Tang reference in a Falcon book. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, we got mobbed yeah. the previous week. Yeah. Go ahead. What did you think? Well, uh, when you sent it to me, this, uh, I think it was this morning, I'm re- repeating what I wrote to you. and uh, I don't have a face palm emoji, but I'll just pretend that uh, I typed it 50 times. Ugh. That pretty yeah. much sums up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, I that man, it was, <laughs> I was just shaking my head. I could not even utter a word after I read that. Yeah. I would think by just, now that they would just know that Wu Tang Clan is not something that you fuck with. <laughs> 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 yes, d- duly noted. Um, yeah, they didn't diversify their bonds apparently when they wrote uh, um, this b- particular book. Uh, the book is written by Rodney Barnes, and we brought this up on the first podcast for the first issue. He's a non-comic book writer, and that's where he should remain. He should go. remain not writing comic <laughs> books. Yeah, and yeah. you're so good at not writing comic books. I think you should just not write comic books. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> and going and and, and let, let's look at it as in baseball terms. There's a really not even review in the book. We're just reviewing like the ridiculousness of parts of the book. Marvel has this thing now of hiring non-comic book writers to write comic books. And again, depending upon how you feel about Ta-Nehisi Coates on Black Panther, you may call that a success. I, it wasn't my cup of tea, even though I've heard it's gotten better. But if you look at, well, I think there's the lady that writes America Chavez. She's not a comic book writer. Uh, we're going to talk about Iceman here in a little bit. Again, uh, Senna Grace, a non-comic book writer. Um, and then there's Rodney Barnes fella on the Falcon, also a non-comic book writer. And I will, I, I feel successful calling this a, a no. Yes, it's a genre that can be done by other people, but I think there's a pacing to it and a a a, a science to it, Brother Beavis, that needs to be followed. And and taking people out of that or putting them into it when they're not necessarily ready for it, 
gives you this kind of crap. Am I wrong? No, I think they're you, you're trying to make you, you're trying to do too many things with like 22 pages, most of which is splash pages anymore. Um, and you know, I, this was that was sort of something I picked up on in the Iceman story. There's just not a there's just not enough room in a particular issue to cover the different facets of the character. And so now you now you you're not doing justice to the comic booky piece of it. And you're not doing justice to the story that you're really trying to tell to change the nature of comics. And so you end up shortchanging everything, and then nothing works. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I just don't get it. And I don't even think this book has those types of high aspirations. Again, we'll, we'll talk about Iceman in a bit, but we'll, I'll review the book. It's Chaos in Chicago. If you remember at the end of the last issue, Blackheart had revealed himself as he had taken over as the mayor of, um, of Philadelphia. Oh, no, Chicago, excuse me. He's taken over as the mayor of, of Chicago. Nobody had known that. And the gang war had broken out, and a gang member had gotten shot when uh, Falcon was trying to broker peace. I think we joked a lot about the uh, the uh, Dave Chappelle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the gangs or whatever. And it just gets absolutely worse uh, through this particular issue with some of the uh, the dialogue. And then that's basically it. The whole city is in chaos. Blackheart's, you know, turning people evil. He's using dark magic to do this. And, um, you know, Falcon doesn't know. He's really, he and the Patriot are trying to keep the peace. Um, I mean, really, that is the whole book. Blackheart has daddy issues. You know, he's the son of Mephisto. He goes through this whole story about how all the, um, all the, the, like, kind of, Super evil people would meet like in in a, um, a like a table every year, essentially to talk about how they took ales from the heroes on Earth and how they were gonna like you know not take ales. So there's a big picture like Mephisto, Thanos, uh, like there's a bunch of people sitting around a table talking about all the ales they take from humans, and you know he's saying I'm gonna be the first one to break through and get my daddy's approval and. Um, you know, so he's plotted this thing for have the humans destroy themselves, and and as in turn, uh, instead of you know him destroying the humans in and of itself, and he takes the leader of the South Side, West Side, North Side posse out to Earth, and he's like, "You're gonna rule the Earth," and you know he takes him out there, and then there's just all this ridiculous dialogue because dude is out in the Earth, and I sent y'all the pictures of this, um, can y'all, not read it to me, but uh, do you remember reading one of those Sandman and was like, oh my God, what the hell? Uh, yeah, let me, let me see, hold, hold on. Let's he was talking to like cosmic entities and talking about the rent coming due and crap like that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there was one yeah. was like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm going to be down like a, rat, a fat rat in a cheesecake factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it, I got it pulled up, um, and I quote, all right, man, you made your point. <laughs> The money, first, excuse me, keep the money, first of the month is next week. I can't yeah. wait. <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah. get the again right there. Oh, oh, oh my God. God. Bad. It's, it's just so terrible. It's so terrible. I mean, I mean, I don't know if you're trying to write this as a comedy book or because you're not. Like, you're not because the story doesn't lead itself to that. So why are you throwing these lines in there, let alone the fact that they're freaking lightweight races as hell? And it's, it's, what are you doing? And again, this is Sam Wilson, Captain America, who just came out of that book and is now reestablishing himself as a hero. And y'all giving this piece of crap book and this piece of crap story with the piece of crap writer. I mean, you really just put him back on freaking... Sunday night wrestling. You really did. You put him. Yeah. To, he's getting W's over the Brooklyn Brawler, and every time he faces anybody with a three plus on their card, he's taking a submission <laughs> or a freaking pin, a straight pinfall loss, not even a cheat loss. So I mean, whatever. I, I, and because it's gonna it's gonna become doubly worse when we get to the Captain America book because handling a reentry was done so much better for one character and then not for the other one. Oh, but, yeah, whatever. The book sucks. That's basically my overall take, uh, and I'm going to stick to that. The, uh, I think, what is it? In, uh, there is some more terrible dialogue in there um, about 
Brother Voodoo shows up. I think I sent y'all that one, too. Brother Voodoo shows up, and he's like, hey, you know, uh, I need your help because I think this dude is using dark magic. He's like, oh, okay, that's fine. And they're having this conversation. It's like, well, remember that one time when we was in Miami and you was looking at this girl? I was like, wait, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> what? What are we doing here? Why are him and Brother Voodoo having a conversation? The only thing that was missing from that conversation was a bottle of Cavassier. Like, that was it. They're just sitting there hanging out, like, just talking like just two dudes. Mind you, the freaking world is being destroyed by fucking Blackheart. But, yeah, you know, that time, you know, you met that girl. Hey, my weakness is thick thighs. I'm like, wait, no. what? Yeah. <laughs> it, was soon, yeah. it was thick calves, I believe. Thick calves, thank you. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. You know niggas in the thick calves, by the way. Just FYI. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just FYI. But, yeah, this is terrible. And hey, I, I guess I'd like to add to the discussion just because it's it's somewhat uh, related. In the Inhuman show, uh, Gorgon is the first the person to make a racist comment, and he can't swim. Just you know, just telling us. <laughs> <Aww. laughs> <Damn>. Of course he can't. How's his wow. grape soda game? I mean, was that when, we, when it <laughs> first got to Earth? Did he ask for grape soda, too? Yeah. Yeah, that's terrible. That's mm. the only thing that's left. Jesus, good. Yeah, pretty much. I think they gave up on the hooves halfway through because they kept showing these awkward scenes of him not being able to stand in it. I think he just wears boots now. Well, you know, Uggs, I'm sure, probably. Um, <laughs> Tim's. <laughs> terrible. All right. So, yeah, Brother Voodoo takes an L from Blackheart. Um, the book ends with Falcon and Patriot surrounded by all the hate, essentially. And that's the end of it. Hate, 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 hate. Yeah. I mean, I will, I will probably, because I, I just, because I like conclusions and I don't like, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like, I'll probably read it, like, on the slide. But we ain't talking about this shit on this podcast no more. I guarantee you that. Um, <laughs> that, that, that legacy is dead. Let me tell you, though, man. And I, if if Falcon whatever makes it to if it makes it to twelve issues, it will be a minor miracle. And um, yeah, I I, I can't. So yeah, the Falcon well, is dead. You know when he loses his plane or loses his wings in a plane crash, and then Apocalypse reengineers him with metal wings <laughs> to shoot <laughs> neurotoxin. Yeah, it could, it could turn the book around. But. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, and it's way too. Well, you know what? I'll leave it for I'll leave it for book number two. All right, book number two for the Marvel Legacy tonight is Captain America. Uh, Captain America gets his relaunch. He is back from not evil Cap from Secret uh, Empire, uh, which we reviewed on these podcasts as well. You can find it in the, uh, in the archives. Um, basically, he's back and he's trying to reestablish himself in the community. Um, of, like, the United States, the world, or whatever, that, he, you know, he's still a good guy. And it starts with, like, a flashback sequence of his origin story, which is done very quickly. This is written by Mark Wade, by the way, who I think has written Cap in various uh, incarnations. Would that be fair, uh, Brother Beavis or Sandman? I think yeah. so. I think he was writing it towards, um, like, right before... How soon after that was the war? But like Sentinel of Liberty when that came out, and mm-hmm. like towards when they split the books, he was writing it back then, I think. Okay, right. But, yeah, and that was pretty good stuff. Yeah, yeah. this book is, is drawn in a classic kind of animation style. It's, it's it's actually done very well. I didn't. I don't know if I. It's. Uh, I did write it down. It's Chris yeah. Samney. Yeah, is the artist, and this is Cap Six Ninety Five as they go back to the traditional numbering. Um, and again, Cap's on the Redemption Tour, and it's a flashback story where he goes to uh, some town in Nebraska, and some group of, they're, later on they're going to call oh, them white supremacists, the Rampart, yeah. the Ramparts, and I think this is a new, I mean, maybe, I, I haven't read Cap as closely as I probably could have or should have, I have never heard of the Ramparts before, they look like people that were like fake Hydra agents, uh, they just got red suits instead of green ones. And, yeah. you know, he yeah. he goes there, he rescues everybody in the town, there's some kids there, and he rescues them too, and, you know, it's just some pure Captain America shit. And then ten years later, that town is um, having, 
like a cat it changed its name it's like captain america nebraska now not even whatever it was before and they're having a whole 10 year celebration of the time they uh he saved them go ahead sam and what's your first impressions of that issue Oh, uh, yeah. Well, first of all, what you said about the artwork, that kind of struck me, too. I thought it was, uh, I don't want to say simplistic, but it was, it was basic, but it worked for the issue. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, it was clean, um, was the word I kept coming back to. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, is it the know, same guy that drew the uh, the Legacy one-shot? Because Captain America had, like, a page in that. And I know what you're talking about. It was just, like, a very sort of almost, like, featureless pictures of people. Right, yeah. I don't know if it was the same guy, but, yeah, it uh it was pretty, uh, uh, like I said, I was don't want to say basic because that sounds bad, but uh, uh, it was just, it was simpli- simplified, you know what I mean? But uh, mm. uh, overall, I liked it. I read the whole thing before we, we got on. Um, yeah, I think uh, Mark Wade does a pretty decent job as far as, uh, this is, uh, clearly trying to reestablish Cap. And, you know, they a lot of times this is what they'll do. They'll just have a side tale of him. Of or whoever, not just Cat, but whoever, uh, a, life, a day in the life type thing, and uh, that's pretty much what this ended up being. I like it. Yeah, well, it seemed like very much like a, a one shot kind of like Saturday morning serial, essentially. Like it was like okay, yeah, he goes back to the town. Um, they're having this celebration of Captain America, and um the ramparts come back, you know, 10 years later, hey, we're going to, whatever, he's there, yeah, he's there, Steve Rogers, though, and, you know, it turns out, he's like, I knew you guys were coming back, I had intel on you, of course, he kicks their ass, because they're freaking fake Hydra agents, or whatever, it's like, you know, you're not going to really be able to do anything against him, Um, and, yeah, I mean, you know, it was fun, they were doing all these things about, there was a, you know, a Captain America, like, cosplay thing, that was a little bit preachy or whatever. Like, everybody got on the stage. Tell us how Captain America changed your life. Well, yeah. you know, the bullies were beating me up. And then, uh, if Cap can get beat up, then I can get beat up. And then it was like, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a lot of corn involved. That's, that's what I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. It's Captain America, so you, you, you'll kind of tolerate it to us, you know, at least for a while. But as you start to turn the characters from the, the comic books into the ones in the movie, do you feel, Brother Beavis, that Captain America is that corny in the movies? Because I don't. Like, not since the first one. I yeah, other than Age of Ultron, where they, yeah. which was terrible. I mean, yeah. they, they really played up that aspect of the story. But other than that, no. Yeah, I mean, because I, I, think, I think they, of all the characters that they have not turned into the movie character, from the, like, the Avengers, essentially he's the only one. Like, in yeah. Thor. Like, in yeah. Thor, like a little bit. But because they have to power Thor down for the for the movies or whatever. But like he's really the only one. Everybody else they turn straight into the character from the movie. And 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 I think that's I don't, I don't know that it works like any better or worse. Like, you know, I think people wanna see him not be the Boy Scout all the time. He could still be the Boy Scout and still like kick ass. Because in the movies, I mean, I think somebody put it on Twitter once like, um, he kills a whole bunch of people in these movies. Like a oh, bunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not just injuring people. He's literally no. killing people all over the place. No, yeah, you can only take that comic book shit so far. It's like real world shit with this Captain America. You know, you have to take care. You ain't gonna knock somebody out and then expect him, you know, to disappear. Yeah. <laughs> you kill him too. So that was just I, what the hell. Yeah. yeah, there was one part I read the other that you were like, as he's he's going through essentially like a big comic con for Captain America. <laughs> Uh, he goes to get, like, a hot dog or something from, like, the vendor stand, and the guy that's serving it to him is like, you know, oh, you're an icer, like a theory, like a, a conspiracy theorist person. I'm like, oh, you, you know, you're one of those people that believe he came out of the ice. And, you know, he was like, no, actually, you know, what the government did was they just found a different guy and hired him for that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're an, he called him an icer. Oh, I, uh, I did yeah. laugh when I yeah, it was a pretty funny line. Um, yeah, I mean that's. I mean it's a basic book. It, there's no villain in it besides the ramparts, whatever the hell a rampart is. And now they're white supremacists because that's like a good buzzword. And um, yeah, he kicks their ass, shockingly. Um, but I mean overall, it's just it's just a good book. I mean if you're into Captain America, it's probably a book that you know you would buy. I, I mean I, 
it'll keep coming up on here, I'm sure. Because, I mean, I, I like the simplistic art of the book, uh, and I like Mark Wade. I pretty much will read almost anything that he'll do. Um, so, if it's a character that I like, at least. So, yeah, I mean, I, I go thumbs up for Captain America. Would you go thumbs up on that one, Sammy? Yeah, definitely. And uh, uh, it, it was a nice little, like, wrap-up at the end. You know, there's a character that um, um, he saves that comes back at the end. It was a nice little cheap trick, but I fell for it. And I, I smiled at the end. So, yeah, I would yeah. recommend it. Pretty good. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, that's Captain America and his legacy on the return. Um, yeah, so that's it there. And then our next book is the Avengers 673, which I think I'm the only one that jumped into this pool. Am I the only one on the Avengers as well? Yeah, I didn't I get to so. that yeah. yeah. All right, then let's take a break, then, and let's go ahead. Uh, uh, Brother Beavis has read a couple of other books here, uh, primarily was Ben Riley Spider-Man and yep. Iceman. Iceman. So, yeah. yeah, so go ahead and give your reviews on those two books. All right, so I got Iceman up, so I'll start there. Um, I had not, I think you read some of the other ones, but I really hadn't. I've been following some of the stories about it, basically like the first like, half dozen episodes, I think he's, primarily going around and, and letting people know he's out of the closet and he's got drama with his parents and whatnot. So the book starts off with a couple pages where uh, his parents are figuring out there's actually two Icemen um, and not clear where that'll go. And then they get into a big sort of splash page with the original champions fighting uh, Sentinels. So I don't know exactly what the setup was that for, but there's a, it's Hercules, the Ghost Rider, which is Johnny Blaze, uh, and I'm not sure how that came about, what he's doing. Angel, doing nothing. Um, Dark Star, <laughs> who was not a full-time member, but she came in like halfway through. And then Black Widow is still dead, apparently, so she's not in it. So they're fighting these Sentinels, and uh, most of the battle, there's like one splash page with the champions, and then for the most part, um, it's Iceman. And he his... For whatever reason, his boyfriend is on the scene and he saves his boyfriend. Um, and then he makes one of the ways they powered him up is he has all these ice constructs he controls. So he creates this huge uh, ice creature that basically wipes all the the uh, the, um, the sentinels out. And they find out that the sentinels are like there's somebody who I don't know. It is this lady who is like cobbled together these. Uh, Sentinels, I think she's like trying to get a job in Hollywood or something. Um, mm. So she just makes these sort of fake Sentinels that the, the champions beat without much trouble. So there's a couple pages of, of um, Iceman's love life where he's, uh, you know, he's walking around town and then has a date at his boyfriend's house and then they cut to uh, a, a diner scene with him and the champions out of costume and they're they're reminiscing over uh, Black Widow and, and all that. So then he confronts, goes from there to confront the lady who made these bogus Sentinels and then drops back on the X-Men, who they're all doing their thing, and he comes to the realization that, like, he doesn't really have a place on the X-Men. He's not assigned to a team. So he makes the decision he's going to move to Los Angeles, partly because of his boyfriend, and I guess that'll let the champion storyline go uh, continue. So... Okay. You know, it's it's a lot of you know. There's there's several different threads, a couple pages each. Um, the the return of the original champions was pretty underwhelming for me, um, mm -hmm. but you know, it, it, it's pretty much just like I described it. I, I think one of the things we had talked about yesterday was, and you had mentioned this before. I think we started recording. Is you know, there's again a non-comic book writer in Santa Grace, um, and you know, trying to tell this story, and we—I I think I mentioned that. You know what? It, maybe him being gay might be the least interesting thing about Iceman. Like that should obviously be it. But trying to tell the story over twenty some odd pages, everything gets all jumbled together, and there's no emotional impact on any of it. Like the hero stuff doesn't have an emotional <laughs> impact, and neither does the social stuff. And I think, you know, maybe sometimes these would be better almost as like books, literal books as opposed to comic books, because it it loses something having to wait every month to figure out what's going to happen, either on the comic book side or on the social side for him. So yeah. The other thing we talked about is, like, he's, you know, he was a bit character, and I remember 
one of the first stories we reviewed, one of the first X-Men stories was Legion Quest. And in that, he's like time displaced and they're trying to figure out whatever, whatever, what's going on and what they're going to do. And basically he's like, whatever, you guys will figure it out. And he's just clowning in the background and that's Iceman. Yeah. And yeah, so, that's always been his character. That's always yeah. his character. Going back to the 60s versions of the X-Men. I mean, they've never evolved him really. So I, I think, you know, to some degree it was a stunt to have, a, you know, some semblance of a mainstream character who could be gay. I think it makes absolute perfect sense. I mean, like, if you, when you come back and say, like, oh, Captain America was a Hydra agent all along, you just didn't know. But if you could look at it hard enough, you would see that's bullshit. But if you, like, go back and read Iceman history, you're like, yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense. It's just there's yeah, not much to him. And now they right. want him to be this sort of powerhouse, and he's the leader of the champions, and blah, blah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't buy it yet. It's a big push. Um, that you don't see coming, you know, again, it's the Billy Gunn push, and nobody, you know, I don't know who was asking for that. And two, I think t- I think something gets taken away, too, the fact that they have two Icemen. Like, I think it takes away from the fact that, yeah. too. Like, if you would have started with the time-displaced Bobby as being gay or not even that one, like, like I don't know, like, there should only be one of them. Or, I don't know, but... Like, I just think it's just taken away, like, from the character a little bit. But, I mean, that's Iceman. Like, who the fuck really cares? I think Iceman. that whole multiple characters across the board is a problem that yeah. uh, they're going to have to do something about at some point. Yeah, it's going to come up here when we get to the Avengers as well. And speaking of multiple characters, I mean, Ben Riley Spider-Man. How was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, no, that was... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was kind of surprised, too, um... And, and I was looking at the list of, of the legacy titles and what attracted me was that Peter David is writing it. Um, and I was a big fan of his uh, back in the, his run of X-Factor after they split into the Blue and Gold teams and then X-Factor was all new with Havoc, Polaris, Strong Guy, right. Spain, and, and Madrox. And I think that's one of the, the great um, sort of examples of you know, you don't have to have flagship characters. You just have to have put a, a great creative team behind it and tell legitimate stories. And so, um, yeah, I, I was not, you know, I'm not a, a clone aficionado, um, but I know who Ben Riley is. And I, I think the setup for this book, I think it the legacy one is like, um, for whatever reason, doesn't want to load, but whatever. Oh, there it is. Um, the setup for the legacy book is he has gone there. This is uh, picks up at number like eight or nine. He is in Las Vegas and he has they, the, the storyline they run him through. I think in the first half dozen books is he is, uh, draws the attention of, of lady death. And because he's died so many times through experimentation, his soul is tainted. And now, if he dies one more time, uh, then he's forever lost or whatever. So they, I think that's sort of the indicator that, hey, they're like, yeah, we understand this has gone too far, uh, but here's your signal that we're just going to settle down and tell a story. So there's uh, Ben Riley, and then Kane is another clone who's uh, sort of, you know, the hard-edged clone. I don't even know. I can't make sense of that. But, but basically, like, if you don't like New York um, and you do like Las Vegas, and you want uh, Peter Parker to sort of kind of, you know, not be as goody-goody of a character, then I guess Ben Riley is your Spider-Man. I think his costume is still terrible um, with the hoodie, the sleeveless hoodie and all that, but whatever. So the, the whole story is um, the, the web-slingers, I think is what they're called, which was an alternate identity of Spider-Man when he was framed for murder, uh, are back, and nobody really knows what's going on with them. So that was, it was basically four characters that Peter Parker portrayed so that he didn't have to be Spider-Man, and they were different combinations of his powers. So the Hornet is, uh, you know, he's has wings, he can fly, he has these electric tasers or whatever, and he's causing a rumpus, and, uh, and Ben Riley has to fight him. And then one of the other slingers, which is Ricochet, uh, who has an equally 90s-ass costume shows up, and that's really it. They haven't really got to the story yet. Just He's in Vegas. He's going to be the Vegas hero, 
and the slingers are there. That's that's basically what's going on so far. Wow. So, like, I wonder. I wonder what's the purpose of having him back, though, in a general sense, since you already really have two, you know, the, the world heavyweight world champion and the, and the national heavyweight champion with Miles and Peter Parker to have another spider story on top of, you know, Spider-Gwen and uh, whatever else you have out there. Like, you know, what is the purpose of bringing Ben Riley back? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it, it's it's curious. Um, I mean, I was a sort of reader of the clone stuff. Actually, I think the person that knows most about it is, is Hutch. And yeah, Hutch. <laughs> yeah, he knows a little bit more about it, but probably more than anything, I know that it turned me off of reading Spider-Man for a little bit uh, <laughs> because it just got too outrageous, and it just went, in, and, and, and it spun, like, completely out of control. Even I think they realized it went too out, you know, too far out of control themselves, and they really kind of once they did stop it, they did everything they could to kind of kill everything that was related to it. So, um, yeah, yeah, okay. Ben Riley, all right, he's back. Yay, question mark. All right. All right, so, okay, so we got that out of the way, and now we lead to the Avengers. Um, 673, uh, this has been going across this Avengers and Champions crossover. Um we're finally going to get a chance to see the high evolutionary. And this story has been going on about these pillars coming from space and high uh, vibrations and whatever. This is basically <laughs> a sort of a conclusion to that story, but not really. Um, basically, the high evolutionary has created or is on a, a separate Earth. And that Earth, he, those, those things that he sent at the, at the high speeds or whatever, are vibrating his second earth hold on what did he call it uh the other duplicate earth. planet yeah a duplicate planet yeah the yeah. minotaur gets to explain all of this stuff to, uh, to the heroes um and that earth now is is in direct the high vibration is going to make it pass through like earth one and now that's why you keep seeing things get like transported from one earth to the other that's why viv and falcon wound up on earth two so to speak and then, like, now Annie men are actually winding up on Earth. And it's basically a, a whole explanation about this whole process. And the High Evolutionary wants to um, do some experiments on the Falcon. Maybe that's it. But Brother Beavis, that's your story right there. The High Evolutionary is going to turn him into <laughs> Archangel 2. Alexis Boogaloo. Arc, um, Arc Falcon. <laughs> Arc Falcon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just rough. And then... Um, He's got Viv as well because she's also on Earth too. Uh, the Vision is not having the fact that the the High Evolutionary has his daughter. He's super emotional about it. He's supposed to not be as as, as emotional as he was before, um, and Wasp calls him out on that. Um, but he's not having it. He's super upset with the Minotaur that's telling all the stories to him. Um, and so now they devise this plan to um, use the Thor's hammer to get it to vibrate to the to the same frequency so they can get transported to Earth 2 so they can go fight the high evolutionary on Earth 2. And so the team that they take over there is... Hold on, I wrote it down. Uh, hold on. It's not a great team. Uh, Cyclops... No, excuse me. Thor makes the hammer... Yeah, and he takes Hercules, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, Vision, and Nova. Like, that's the team that's going to go fight the High Evolutionary. I'm like, mm, yeah, y'all need some best players. Yeah, y'all need some muscle. Um, yeah. And then on Earth in New York, because um, Annie-Man are, are popping up there as the, as the Earths vibrate past one another, on Earth is Cyclops, Miles, Hulk, uh, Miss Marvel, and... Uh, yeah, and Wasp. So they're staying on Earth to fight. I'm like, y'all, those are actually some pretty crappy teams all around, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, not a good yeah. group. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of like a filler book. You can tell that's going to come to its conclusion um, next issue, and um, that's pretty much it. Then we'll finish it out. We're in the champions, but I think the uh, the biggest it has a reveal at the end because. Um, you know, the high evolutionary is experimenting on them 
Uh, you know, again, we have the character experiment on the black character, but whatever, we'll let it slide. Um, they also have a, uh, he experiments on Viv, and he turns her, wait for it, human. And that's how the book ends. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, I mean, it's fine enough, dude. I mean, I, I mean, I don't really get too upset with, the, the, with this book. I mean, uh, high evolutionary stories have always been weird. They always are weird, and it's really kind of interesting that they use that character as the start of the new legacy thing because he's really more of a Fantastic Four villain. But two, yeah. like, he's just such a weird character. Like, you know, like, the freaking experiment with humans and animals, like, it's just weird. And I just... You know, whatever. I mean, it's the high evolutionary. You know, nothing's going to come of this. Um, that was really 673. I mean, what this world's apart thing should, it should end in the next Champions book. If it doesn't, then it's gone on probably one issue too long. Um, so, yeah, that's it. All right. So, I think that's all of our legacy books for the night. Did I miss one? I think that's it. I think that is our legacy book. Yeah, because all the other ones are, yeah, for the X-Men. Okay. All right. So we got a couple of other topics that we need to deal with as we cross the, yeah, a little bit over the 40-minute mark. We've got a couple of things. Um, let's do comic book news and then movie reviews. All right. So comic book news, um, Brian Michael Bendis was announced this week that he is leaving his exclusive deal at Marvel and taking an exclusive deal at DC. He is the co-creator of uh, Miles Morales. Um Jessica Jones, um, he's done great work with Luke Cage um, to kind of make him like into a mainstream character. Um, the, his work on the Defenders, I think now, is uh, people really enjoy or whatever. whatever. Um, so he's going to make this leap to D.C. He's also the writer of most of their large events. In recent times, he's been the writer of their large events as well. Um, so is this a huge deal, Brother Beavis? Like, is this, to you, is this a big deal? Um, in, not in terms of your reading, but just in terms of comic book news. Well, I think it is, just because he's an, a recognizable name. But, I mean, I most closely associate him with Civil War, which is, um, I believe the term you use today to describe the Falcon was straight ass cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... I mean, the things you rattle off that he's known for is like, um, you know, a lot of character development. But I think as far as the big stories, you know, that was like, hey, let's have the heroes fight. And then it just meanders, you know. So, you know, and I would expect that they're not going to bring him in to either start or rejuvenate lower level characters. I would assume they're going to either try and make a splash and put him on a big book, mm -hmm. probably Justice League or something like that or some sort of event. And it sounds like, he, you know, we'll be more successful in sort of, you know, give him some space uh, on some niche books rather than trying to be the next big thing. DC has done a great job of uh, poaching Marvel people over the years, you know, traditional Marvel people. Uh, you can think back a few years ago when they poached both Kuberts uh, and got them to DC. Um, I think what's that? Jonathan Hickman, the person that did Secret Wars three, he's over there as well. Um, so they get Bendis. Uh, Sandman is that a huge deal or just a modern comic book thing? I think it is. It is pretty huge because uh, obviously, like Beaver said, the name of he's got name recognition. He's been at Marvel for God, how long has he been there? It seems like it's been over a decade. Um, I don't know exactly how long it's been, but. Um, I think it's actually a good thing that Marvel, they need a break, I think, from him and the type of uh, stories that he's been doing lately. Because in, in my opinion, yeah, he has, he has done some good things with some characters. Like, I didn't even know he was, like, uh, co-creator of, uh, uh, not Miles Morales, what was the other one you said? Um, Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones, yeah, I had no idea he did that. And there are some good Jessica Jones uh, stories and stuff over several books. But um, I think he's kind of overrated, in my opinion. For every good thing I think he's done, there's been a couple that were not so good or just played out bad. Um, and so I think this is a good thing. I think they need a break from him, and uh, they need another direction. If you've been 
we primarily do market books, obviously. So, and lately their track record ain't been that great, you know, as far as a lot of their books. But I think they need to reevaluate their entire um, um, way they do uh, these events, back off the events, maybe go more individual. Uh, you know, DC kind of found their renaissance, and I think Marvel kind of needs to just step back and find one for themselves. So um, I think this is a good break. I think it's a good thing overall. Was there a reason for him leaving, or did they just, I mean, I don't back don't up what the break truckload of money, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's how I think. I mean, I think by far DC has the more iconic characters, and I get the allure of, yeah, I'm going to go do Batman or Superman or something like that. I think it's, it's relatively easy, but I just, I'm curious to see if, like, there was something he wanted to do that he couldn't or if he just felt like he'd done everything that he wanted to do or whatever or just needed a change or... He probably just needed uh, a thing. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm... It's probably... I'm sure it probably has something to do with that. But, uh, yeah. And money. And, and money. money. Well, in, in light of the Montreal screw job being 20 years old... Um, <laughs> WCW, and I, I think I texted y'all that, you know, that was, I look at the Montreal Screwjob as the end of WCW, like that's when it actually ended, because, and it just happened three or four years later, but that was really the end of it. The, the idea of just backing up Brink Chuck's loads of money and giving it to people who, whether they deserve it or don't deserve it, or you feel that they deserve or don't deserve it, is really not a great way to do business, and since they did that, it this is what they're doing. DC's like, we're going to take all these pieces and like get, get them all on our side and like, and tell you like this, this is going to be good. Like when they're just screaming for attention and he is the attention screamer of, uh, on himself. Like I, he's way overrated. Like yeah. he's way overrated. The, the fact that Marvel kept going to him as like, Hey, save our colored characters because he was writing Riri Williams as well. Miles, yeah. I mean like, what are you doing? Like nigga, I mean, no, 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 no. Like, he, I think he's British overall or whatever, and I, I've, I've seen some stuff from him online. He was like, you know, people are like, hey, you know, it's not that I don't enjoy what you write from Miles Morales or these characters, you know, but, you know, uh, you know, a, a person of color would have a different perspective on it. He's like, oh, well, I got two adopted black kids. I'm like, nigga, what? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, that doesn't qualify you for shit. Like, I ate fish last night. That don't make me a fisherman. So, it, it, it just, you know, I was just like, I read his stuff. I'm perfectly okay with it, but the freaking hand jobbing that they give him and the people, the DC fanboys are like, oh, no, we got all, you know, we got all the comp. We got the whole NWO now. And Bret Hart. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> what happened in the NWO, too? Yeah, and you yeah. see what happened in WCW um, right after they got Bret Hart. So, it, 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 it it's never a good idea to have all of those particular people in one particular place because you would think that it would spark creativity, and I don't think it does. I think it gets the lazy writing. It's like, well, I just got this big freaking chunk of money here. So, yeah, go nuts. Like, I don't really care. And he'll just throw out some stuff, and, you know, in three or four years from now, we'll be talking about his return to freaking Marvel because <laughs> that's just how it goes. You know, save for a couple of people, it's just the back and forth. To me, I think this is Marvel's chance to go to the attitude era to throw it back to freaking the screw job in Montreal, this is their chance to do that, to take some chances, but not be taking chances on freaking non comic book writers. Like no. Like turn it over and turn over your events to, you know, young and up and coming writers that have, you know, a following, you know, Nick Spencer got ran over the coals for freaking Secret Empire. But that motherfucker could write some freaking books. Whether you hated it or not he freaking wrote the hell out of Sam Wilson, Captain America, and made that character be somebody that people liked and cared about. Yeah, not so much more with the uh, Sam Wilson book, uh, the Falcon book. So, you know, give it to him or to David Walker, who, you know, who's done freaking great work, you know. I mean, geez, Louise, I mean, David Walker's been doing great work on their, you know, their lower-tiered black characters or whatever for a while now. He needs right. to get a bigger book. You know, I mean, they gave him Occupy Avengers, which was okay or whatever, but, I mean, it was obviously a niche book to begin with. Give him, like, something bigger than to do. And I think that, I think they could really, you know, kind of turn the page and and really be setting the tone as opposed to just doing the same old crap that they've been doing over and over again. So, 
Yeah, I'm I'm thumbs down on Bendis though. I've been thumbs down. I would say for uh, ever, basically. (laughs) (laughs) I never got. I'm not upset at all. I'm not upset at at all. They better watch out. I mean, they they may be they may be suffering in a couple years now that they got him over there. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, yay, bye. I'll give you a cake and go. You're good. Thanks. All right, so the last thing here as we get closer to the hour mark is Thor Ragnarok. Now, again, if you're a long-time listener to this podcast, uh, we do communicate via text. Uh, These two uh, metahumans on the phone uh, (laughs) saw the movie two hours apart uh, on Thursday night last week. So I'm like, I can't see it. Uh, I'm going to need reviews. You know, hook a brother up and uh, whatever. So I get a review Nine-ish or so uh, as a text from uh, Sandman. Hey, it was a really good movie, man. It was funny. You know, whatever. All right. And then, I don't know, 1230-ish. <laughs> oh, I don't know when you sent it. I'm trying to see when I read it. Maybe I read it in the morning. I get one from uh, Brother Beavis. Like, uh, he didn't call it ass cheeks. But um, <laughs> I said I just got done watching the two-hour outtakes of the Thor movie, and I'm psyched to see the real thing when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, now, we've done this on these podcasts before. Sam was a bigger fan of, of uh, Logan and Brother Beavis and I. Where I have not seen Thor Ragnarok. Um I just ha- I've, I've seen again. I've seen bits and pieces enough to know I, I'm good on spoilers. The movie's been out a week, so we can go ahead and spoil a, a, enough. Okay, from what I know of it, it is essentially uh, Planet Hulk that they did, and um, yeah, Planet Hulk versus Hela as they get their way back to uh, to uh, to uh, what Thor's home planet or whatever. The weather. Asgard. Asgard. So. Uh, Sam, man, go ahead and go first. You liked it more, and then we'll let Brother Beavis figure out the the humor, or too much humor. Yeah. Um, okay, first of all, let me just give you the disclaimer that I am a fan. I've read many uh, uh, iterations of the book, so I may be looking at it through a few more rose-colored glasses than your regular fan. But that being said, I thought uh, they definitely changed up the direction of the book. Uh, excuse me, of the book of the, of the movies from Thor one and Thor two, because uh, I like Thor one, Thor two not as much, even though I do still like parts of it. And uh, but there was definitely a, a complete different uh, direction change because they did not appeal. And you know, uh, Marvel Disney wants uh, crowd pleasers, and so they went with the comedy mainly on this one. This movie is pretty much a, a comedy action. Um, uh, with some tiny pieces of drama thrown in. And um, a lot of weirdness, which a lot of Thor is, a lot of weird stuff going on. Uh, uh, Ragnarok is about, for those that don't know, it's the twilight of the gods. It's the end of their uh, their world, basically. All the, the forces of evil, basically, and the nine realms, the nine worlds, whatever they're going to call it gang up against them and, and destroy them. And that's kind of like, that's uh, the main overall plot, but on the way there, Thor gets uh, thrown to the planet Sakaar by Taylor. Uh, I don't want to give away too much, but um, she gets freed by a large event that happens. Thor and Loki get thrown to uh, Sakaar. Of course, he's all seen Hulk. They fight in the ring. Hulk comes out. He's been uh, Hulk over two years, we find out. Uh, it's never really explained why, but uh, eventually Banner comes back, and they team up with uh, uh, a third character, Valkyrie, another Asgardian. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, who is... Come, uh, go ahead. What are you going to say? No, I didn't say anything. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I actually like the character of Valkyrie a lot. Is uh, played by Tessa Thompson, who is, uh, uh, I think she's African American. Uh, uh, she was intrigued. I know that. So I'm pretty sure she is. She was. I was actually really surprised how much I liked the character. And um, she's smoking hot, by the way. Just FYI for everybody. 
And she's in Dear White People, I think, is where she really got her boost. Right, right. But the now, movie, not the TV show. Yeah, but she was very good in Creed, too, by the way. So, mm-hmm. uh, although, I mean, she didn't have a huge role in it, but she was, she was good in that. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she kind of stole the show every scene uh, she was in, and she was in a lot of scenes at the Hulk. So that gives you an idea of uh, how good she was. So, uh, yeah, uh, kind of wrapping this up, it's played, it's a lot of comedy in this. And comedy is so subjective, some people are just not going to like it because of that. And uh, in our text, I was kind of telling y'all, like, yeah, you, it's a comedy. It's deeply rooted in comedy. So you may or may not want to go see it based on that. Um, it's very much a crowd-pleaser movie. So some people are going to like it for the lack of seriousness, even though it's got literal uh, world-ending events in it. And so, you know, how, how are you going to play that for a comedy? I don't know. I thought some things worked, some things didn't. Uh, overall, I thought it worked pretty well. Um, and I would go see it again if uh, you were to ask me. That's probably the biggest indicator if I really liked it or not. But, like, again, I'm a poor fan, so that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Brother Beavis, you thought it was too much comedy, I would assume. Yeah, and that you know, to some degree, that's probably self-fulfilling prophecy because that was my concern going in. Um, but yeah, like the opening scenes, he's like Clown Inserter, who is the first, you know, the Lord of the Fire Realm, the, the first big bad you see, and he's kind of clowning him. Um, you know, I heard there was like the original cut was like a hundred minutes, and they basically edited back like a half hour worth of jokes into it. And I would, I kind of would like to see that first movie because I think, like like Sandman said, there's a lot that worked, and I think the the problem, the big problem I had with it was that you, you know you, if you told the Planet Hulk story, um, you you would have been fine. But to also then put the Twilight of the Gods on top of that, it just you know they're trying to convey this weight, and there's these shocking deaths, and it's like well that it, it, you know I don't I, I can't. I can't process process that in in that way when the rest of the show when the rest of the movie is a farce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, 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 yeah, I agree. So I, yeah. I, I think there's and, it, and, it, and I'll I'll make a difference. Like <coughs> like Age of Ultron, we mentioned this earlier. Uh, it was jokey and snarky, but not funny. You know, like ooh, Gap yeah. doesn't use bad language. This movie was funny. It's you know it, it wasn't a question of you know whether you know, whether or not it just was or wasn't funny. It's just the problem was they mashed, like, they ended up mashing, like, two movies together. Mm-hmm. And part of it, too, for me, is, like, I kept reading this narrative of, like, the other two Thor movies weren't that great, so we're doing a dip. You know, and, like, wait a minute. Uh, I really like the other two Thor movies, and I think, you know, I'm probably a little opposite of Salmon. Like, I like the second one. I thought, particularly the end of the second one, it's like a comic book come to life. It was great. And it was, you know, there were great, there were funny moments, like when he hangs Mjolnir on the on the coat rack, and yeah. you know, there, there's funny stuff like that, and there's funny stuff like in Civil War with, with Black Panther and and uh, Falcon and and Winter Soldier and all the you know the little set of mini conflicts. There's there's plenty of room for that, but I think it was just overdone, and so then it became a mashup of two different movies. One, I do like I do like Grandmaster was hysterical though. Uh, yeah, it was, it was Jeff Goldblum's character was he, he was yeah. great. Yeah, but it, it works yeah. in this movie. Yeah, yeah I thought that I, I can believe God about Goldblum. Yeah, I thought he did really well. It fit. You know, movie. the parts that I have seen and I've read about, you know, um, <laughs> Lady Sif and the Warriors Three is not not really working too well right now. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I was like. Yeah, I'm like, uh, oops, dang, really? You know, yeah. and, and and she's not in the movie, if I'm not mistaken. So that's the only reason that she didn't die. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it was just kind of weird when I was reading that. I was like, wow, those are fairly important characters in Thor um, on top of, you know, Odin or whatever. But yeah, I mean, you know, there was... Like these moments, I guess that's what I'm reading about, and I'm like, okay, it seems that they're trying to put it all together. And then again, the parts that I did see, yeah, there are some jokes in it. I just, you know, I, I, which audience are they looking for? I mean, the movie had a massive opening. It was obviously people 
I, I think that they were like, you know what, we made this goofy movie about space, and since which one we're going to kind of set in space, sort of, kind of, we might as yeah. well kind of make it a little like Guardians. You know, the the previews for everything about it made, felt very much like Guardians of the Galaxy. It, it's very that much was successful. Like yeah. yeah. So that was already, successful, so let's play it that way. Two, work, two weeks worldwide, it's just crossed the $500 million mark, so right. they must know yeah. something we don't. You know, right? So, yeah, and it's so, just like, like I don't know how you take Deadpool and put him in an X Men movie now, and now you take Thor and put him back in the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah, I, I get, I hear what you're saying. It, you know, it, is it a take a chance and like we're gonna do something new and different? You know, I heard a lot of people say it was like a Flash Gordon remake. It's like, oh, okay, that's different. Definitely, if people are sick of the same old thing, that's that's different, you know. But right. people tell you that they want different stuff all the time, but they reject different things all the time. Like people say they want change, but they don't really want change. They just they they want the same thing over and over again. The yeah. funny part to me was like, you know, I could you could imagine like, you know, Sataika Waititi's making his movie, and Kevin Feige comes in and says like, all right. Uh, we got to have a scene here with the, the cube and, and this and that. And, and if it was Joss Whedon, he would have thrown a little fit and be like, I, I, I can't make the movie I want to make anymore. I'm going to go make Justice League. Taka Watiti is probably like, do I still get to make butthole jokes? Okay. It was fun. You know, that, that's what I imagine the creative process was. Can we, can we still talk about jerking off? Oh, okay. You know. That's what I imagine this was like. One of the things is they improv like eighty percent of this movie, and I, I after watching it, I believe it. I really do. And and um, I guess they kind of just mixed in the plot wherever they could. And, and, yeah, I believe it. So, I mean, it, it's very funny though. I mean, it's like I said, there's a lot of stuff that works. There's some stuff that was like, eh. but um, overall, they they got another hit on their hands. So I mean, what are you gonna do? Wow. Okay. Yeah, I just, I just, uh, okay, I mean, I need to see the movie. I mean, that's basically what it is. And I, yeah. I guess, I mean, it's I not even a tiebreaker. Well, it's not yeah, even a tiebreaker because I think, yeah, but it's not a tiebreaker because he, like, it sounds like both of enjoyed it. It was just, like, different. And, I mean, you enjoyed it. So, I mean, I'm probably going to enjoy it. I like Thor, too, also. And I, I think it gets a terrible rap. Uh, that's a, it's not bad. It's definitely not bad. Like it's just yeah. like Thor. I mean, it's Thor. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it's gonna be goofy all the time anyway because of the character and its power. So like I, nothing that happened in Thor two was like, oh well, that's weird. Like no, it's pretty weird to begin with, and it seems like yeah. Ragnarok embraced the weirdness finally. Yeah. yeah, very much so. And I don't think people understand how hard it was to actually get a functional Thor movie in the first place. Cause yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, like uh, Beavis was saying, I really do like the first one. Uh, not as much the second one, but I still like it. And and the fact that they those movies both made money too, and people don't understand how hard that was. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's a reason Iron Man came first, right? Because yes, Thor exactly. and Cap yeah. would be and easy Cap. to screw up. Yes, yeah. very. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I would also add that from a myth, from a mythology perspective, it was cool to see like Fenris Wolf and Surtur and those things. Yeah. But yeah. to put my real mythology nerd hat on, I don't think it was a great treatment of Hela. I, it was she was more wow. like a goddess of war as opposed to yeah. death. In most mythology, yeah. like death is not inherently evil; it's almost like a force of nature, and that's sort of more the relationship that Thanos embraces. And so, but. You know, they had to have, you know, this is the setup for that. But mm-hmm. it, I, that was, I, I liked her character. Kate Blanchett was great. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize how hot she was until later. Yes, yes, she is. I was just about to mm-hmm. say that hot. Yes, yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. Before. I know that, so. Yeah, damn. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, her, when she put, when she takes her hair back and puts the headdress on, I have to right. go to the bathroom for a few minutes. <laughs> Man, she's got those thick <laughs> calves that I just can't yeah. get enough of. <laughs> Man, me and Brother Beavis was talking about the Cavs in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, nice. don't bring it back, man. All right, that's, yeah, let's wrap it from there. All right, so uh, yeah, we were going to throw on a, a early Justice League reviews here, but I'm going to wrap this at about an hour because we can. We're going to wind up having to talk about Justice League anyway next week when it comes out. 
So yeah, that's um, we'll be yeah, better that, pre- prepared next week anyway. So. Yeah, that, I mean it's getting. Uh, I'll I'll leave it at this, and not to be like the last word on anything or whatever. You know, people are like, oh, you know, it's it's so much better than Batman versus Superman. That that's really not a positive <laughs> saying review. anything, is it? <laughs> yeah, that's not a positive review. That's just saying that it's better than shit. So <laughs> you can't. They, they fixed a lot of the things that was like, well, that was really broken. Like, you know, that was really broken. So I'm not sure if that's you know, again. It's just you know, it's Attack of the Clones. It's uh, Batman Begins, it, you know, those movies came after really, really bad movies. So anything that they put on the screen was going to be like, you know what, this is pretty damn good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, when you look back at it, maybe not so much. And I'm, I'm, and, I'm, and to be honest with you, I'm having that feeling about, now that I've seen it three times, I'm having that feeling about Wonder Woman. Like, I, I initially liked it in the theater. I fell asleep for a little bit in the movie theater because I'm old and tired. Um, I saw it again uh, on a booter, and I was like, eh, okay. And then I saw it again, like, on a DVD. And I was like, mm, this movie might not be that great. And she's definitely not a great actress. She looks awesome. Uh, but she cannot act her way out of a plastic bag. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I'll be curious as as you rewatch it, if you're like, mm, yeah, I don't know how much rewatchability it has. But it's better than Batman versus Superman. It's a competent movie in a universe of not so competent movies. That's basically the yeah. <laughs> But again, that doesn't make it good. Exactly. Um, you know, that doesn't I make it good. I, I, don't know, I, yeah, I didn't love it, really, but I liked yeah. it. So. Yeah, watch okay. it again. Watch it again, and like, I'd like, you know, kind of like to see kind of what you thought about it or whatever. But anyway, all right. I think the, uh, the, walk, the march across No Man's Land is incredible. And yeah. I still get chills when I watch that. The right. villain is terrible. The end is terrible. The uh, end is terrible. All the movie problems, yeah. <laughs> and, yes. you know, the the rest of it is World War Two. So, no, World War One, isn't it? World War One, sorry. One, yeah. yeah. Even worse yet. I mean, it's still, it's still freaking Captain America First Adventure. I mean, it has all yeah. of the freaking same beats of that freaking movie. But, yes, the, I'm the, sure the, the, the World War One. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, No Man's Land is great. That is one of the best pieces of cinema ever committed to, right. or scenes ever committed to comic book cinema. And that fight afterward, where they go in town and she's throwing tanks around, that's awesome too. Yeah, yeah. but there's a whole there's another a hour and 35 yeah. minutes wrapped around yeah. that scene yeah. Mm, yeah. that are so shaky. Um, yeah. So, but whatever. <laughs> All right. Damn, DC people, we, we, <laughs> we're, we're trying, we're trying, we're trying, we're trying, to we're trying. we really <laughs> will, we're trying, alright, so this is a wrap of the first part of this double-sized issue, uh, remember you'll be able to find this podcast and others on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher, uh, rate, review, subscribe, um, yeah, that's it, so we're gonna wrap up this part, take a little bit of a break, and then, uh, you'll see another, uh, another podcast here, uh, so join us for the Inferno. All right, so you guys take it easy. We'll see you in about five. Peace.
just think the sky is falling Why am I so differently wired? Am I noggin? Cause sporadic as my thoughts come It's mind-boggling Cause I obsess on everything In my mind, small shit bothers me But not my father He said sayonara and split But I don't give a shit I'm fine longest There's batteries in my walkman Nothing's the matter with me Shit, look on the bright side At least I ain't walking I bike ride through the neighborhood of my apartment Complex on a 10-speed Which I've acquired parts that I find in the garbage A frame, then put tires on it Headphones on it Straight ahead if kids try and start shit But if this is all there is for me Life offers Why bother even trying to put up a fight? It's nonsense But I think a light bulb just lit up in my conscience What about them rhymes I've been jotting That kind of giving me confidence Instead of trying to escape through my comics Why don't I just blast a little something like Onyx To put me in the mood to want to fight and write songs that Say what I want to say to the kid that said that I eyeballed him Grab hold of my balls like that's right, fight on, bitch Who would have knew from the moment I turned the mic on That I could be iconic in my conquest It's worth to fight dog from a tribe conquest This is my legacy, legacy Would always think the sky is falling Now I think the fact that I'm differently Why it's awesome Cause if I wasn't I wouldn't be able to work Words like this and connect lines like crosswords And use my enemies' words and strength To try and draw from And get inspired off from Cause all my life I was told and taught I am not shit By you whack fucking giant sacks of lying dog shit Now you shut up bitch I am talking Thought I was full of horseshit And now you fucking worship the ground In which I am walking Me against the world so what I'm Brian Dawkins versus the Holo and 16 Lions offense. So bring on the Giants, Falcons, and Miami Dolphins. It's the body bag game, bitch. I'm supplying coffins. Cause you dicks but kiss. Bunch of Brian Ball dingers. You gon' diabolica. I've been diabolical with this dialogue since 99 Rockets. You don't respect the legacy I leave behind. Y'all can suck a dick the day you beat me. Pigs will fly out my ass in a flying saucer. And this is my legacy, legacy